Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Those of you that have been uh, here for a while, welcome back, and you should probably get an award for sticking to it. Those of, you, those of you that are here for the first time, welcome. My name is Brad Constantine, and today's discussion, or this discussion, is going to be 1 Nephi chapter 8. So, so far in the history here, we've had uh, the sons of, of Lehi going back to get the plates. They've now brought Ishmael and his family uh, to be with the family here in the desert. And so, uh, chapter 8, uh, we will begin with a vision that Lehi sees. A question that I want to ask you is, uh, in this vision, he sees a tree, and what is the tree symbolic of? And we'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 1, And it came to pass that we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind, both of grain of every kind, and also of the seeds of the fruit of every kind. So it sounds like they're planning on staying in the desert for quite a long time. And it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, or in other words, I have seen a vision. This vision, by the way, is the central message of the Book of Mormon. Verse 3, And behold, because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam. For I have reason to suppose that they and also many of their seed will be saved. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. For behold, methought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe, and he came and stood before me. This sounds like he's got a guide here, doesn't he, to take him through this dream or this vision. Uh, symbolic of other things. Verse 6, And it came to pass that he spake unto me, and bade me follow him. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, now the darkness represents sin, temptation, this mortality, uh, the effects of sin is what darkness is here, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. I wonder why he waited many hours for this to, uh, to pray. Why didn't he do it sooner? And that's probably kind of like us, isn't it, that we take time sometimes to come to our senses and pray for deliverance from things. Verse 9, it came to pass, after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I have ever, that I ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white, to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it, for I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. So think about what is the tree and what is the fruit and why would it be so desirable? The exceeding great joy is because we receive a remission of sins through the atonement. Verse 13, And as I cast my eyes round about, 
that perhaps I might discover my family also, I beheld a river of water. Now it's interesting in this version, remember that uh, up to now we've been reading from the abridgment of Lehi's record that Nephi's made. This is a continuation of the abridgment of Lehi's record. Uh, he does not mention how filthy the water was, but in Nephi's version of the dream, he does mention that. And it ran along, and it was near the tree of which I was partaking the fruit. And I looked to behold from whence it came, and I saw the head thereof a little way off. And at the head thereof I beheld your mother Sariah, and Sam, and Nephi, and they stood as if they knew not whither they should go. Verse 15, And it came to pass that I beckoned unto them, and I also did say unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit, which was desirable above all other fruit. The divine responsibility to lead his family to partake of the fruits of the gospel rested with the Father. Verse 16, And it came to pass that they did come unto me and partake of the fruit also. And it came to pass that I was desirous that Laman and Lemuel should come and partake of the fruit also. Wherefore I cast my eyes towards the head of the river, that perhaps I might see them. And it came to pass that I did see them that they were, would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. Laman and Lemuel are in group four, never intending to get on the path. 19, and I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along the bank of the river and led to the tree by which I stood. And I also beheld a straight, notice the spelling of straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, and narrow path which came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree by which I stood. And it also led by the head of the fountain unto a large and spacious field, as if it had been a world. And I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward, that they might obtain the path which led unto the tree by which I stood. And it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree. And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. This is group number one. Those who start on the path, but then become lost in the mist of darkness. 24, and it came to pass that I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press forward through the mist of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. And I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water a great and spacious building. And it stood, as it were, in the air high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female. And their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. 28. And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. This is group two, those who hold to the rod of iron until they reach the tree and partake of the fruit, but then become ashamed and fall away. 29. And now I, Nephi, do not speak all the words of my father, but to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast, to the rod of iron, until they came forth and fell down. We'll, we will kneel at the feet of Jesus, and partook of the fruit of the tree. Now this is group three, those who hold to the rod of iron until they reach the tree. Verse 31, And he also saw other multitudes feeling their way towards that great and spacious building. These never intended to be on the path. And it came to pass that many were drowned in the depths of the fountain, and many were lost from his view, wandering in strange roads. And great was the multitude that did enter into that 
that strange building. And after they did enter into that building, they did point the finger of scorn at me and those that were partaking of the fruit also, but we heeded them not. This is group four. 34, and these are the words of my father, for as many as he as heeded them had fallen away. And Laman and Lemuel partook not of the fruit, said my father. And it came to pass after my father had spoken all the words of his dream or vision, which were many, he said unto us, because of these things, which he saw in a vision, he exceedingly feared for Laman and Lemuel. Yea, he feared lest they should be cast off from the presence of the Lord. And he did exhort them then with all the feeling of a tender parent, that they should hearken to his words, that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them and not cast them off. Yea, my father did preach unto them. And after he had preached unto them, verse 38, and also prophesied unto them many things, he bade them to keep the commandments of the Lord, and he did cease speaking with them. All right, let's go back and analyze a little bit more detailed the words of this chapter. We know that uh, we often call this the vision of the tree of, of life. Uh, let me just go through some of the symbols here and what they mean. And a lot of this we get from um, the other vision that's had by Nephi, uh, but I'm gonna, which is in 1 Nephi chapter 11. Uh, but I'm going to go through some of these, uh, the symbol and then what it means, um, which we'll also discuss in chapter 11. First of all, the large and spacious field, which symbolizes the world, uh, the, the tree, which is the love of God, the fruit, which is the love of God or eternal life, the river of water means the depth of the river or the depths of hell, the rod of iron meaning the word of God, the straight and narrow path, the way to eternal life, Mist of darkness is the temptations of the devil. The great and spacious building is the vain imaginations and pride of the world. The fountain of living waters, which is the love of God, and the terrible gulf is the justice of the eternal God. All right, let's go back through a few things here. Um, first of all, the rod of iron. We know that, uh, as it mentions, that it's the word of God. Uh, President Benson said, we must engage in activities that brings spiritual power. I speak of such activities as immersing ourselves in the scriptures. There is a power that flows into our lives when we read and study the scriptures on a daily basis that cannot be found in any other way. Elder Bateman, uh, Merrill J. Bateman said, a casual and frequent exposure to the scriptures will generally not open the door to the whisperings of the spirit or provide insights. These are There are certain blessings obtained when one searches the scriptures as a person studies the words of the Lord and obeys them, he or she draws closer to the Savior and obtains a greater desire to live a righteous life. The power to resist temptation increases and spiritual weaknesses are overcome. Spiritual wounds are healed. President Benson again said, however diligent we may be in other areas, certain blessings are to be found only in the scriptures, only in coming to the word of the Lord and holding fast to it as we make our way through the mists of darkness to the tree of life. Now, back in verse 20, where it mentions that the path was straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, President Joseph Healing Smith said, this word straight, which is spelled that way, while no doubt that path which leads into the presence of God is straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, it is also straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, which means that those who enter in, into it will find it restricted. It is narrow. They cannot take that with them that which does not apply or which does not belong to the kingdom of God. All such things must be left behind. When we enter into this narrow way, which leads into the presence of God, where can we receive? Where we can receive eternal life? Few there be that find it. So as we enter the straight and narrow path, the narrow path, we have to leave behind those things which won't fit on the path. 
those things of our of our lives that are uh, sins and 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 baggage that we shouldn't be taking with us. Also, by entering in at the straight gate, which is repentance and baptism, a person gets on the straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, and narrow path, which leads to eternal life. Elder Maxwell said, the straight and narrow path, though clearly marked, is a path, not a freeway, nor an escalator. Indeed, there are times when the only way the straight and narrow path can be followed is on one's knees, and we are to help each other along the path. Elder Stapley once said, all who have repented and then been baptized and received the Holy Ghost by authorized servants of God have entered in by the straight gate. The narrow way can only be followed by obedience and faithfulness to all the sacred ordinances and requirements of the higher gospel plan obtained in the holy temples of God. Back in verse 21, talking about the numberless concourses of people, Multitudes of the earth's inhabitants respond regularly to the light of Christ and seek to know more of the will of him whose they are. They seek to get on that path which leads directly to peace here and eternal life hereafter. But navigating the straight and narrow path takes care and caution. One's eyes must ever be fixed upon the Lord and his glory, and thus the traveler must be willing to forsake the extraneous and the unnecessary things which the world offers so readily. The prophet Joseph Smith wrote in 1839 that there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. In some cases, even those who find the truth are not able to forsake the world and its trappings, and thus travel unencumbered down the narrow gospel passageway. Indeed, it is not difficult to live the principles of the gospel and thus to hold to the iron rod, except where one also attempts to maintain a concurrent grasp on the world. And that's uh, Brother Joseph Philly McConkie and Robert Millen. Okay, now then, as we go to um, down to the spacious building in verse 26, uh, Elder Maxwell said, We see a few around us who simply can't stand to be separated from the politically correct multitudes in the great and spacious building. These multitudes are in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. The finger of scorn has its own way of separating the faithful from those who have little or no faith. Like Lehi, the faithful in our time will endure the pointing fingers of scorn from the world and heed them not, even when the ironical fact is that some of those pointing fingers of scorn once grasped the iron rod. Okay, um, verse 37, where Lehi is exhorting his uh, family here to hang on to the rod. Uh, Nephi accurately is portraying the anguish of soul felt by parents with wayward children. It is probably the same anguish that Father in Heaven feels when we are sinful and disobedient. Now back to the tree of life. I didn't complete that one. Um, as we know, uh, the tree of life has more to do with, um, with Jesus Christ. Uh, so I want to talk about that and give a quote here by uh, Jeffrey R. Holland. He says, uh, the tree of life is a symbol of Jesus Christ. The images of Christ and the tree are inextricably linked. At the very outset of the Book of Mormon, Christ is portrayed as the source of eternal life and joy, the living evidence of divine love, and the means whereby God will fulfill his covenant with the house of Israel and indeed the entire family of man, returning them all to their eternal promises. So 
the tree of life that's that's in the, in the vision here by Lehi is actually represented of Jesus Christ. The fruit thereof being the atonement of Jesus Christ and the joy that comes by our accepting the atonement and uh, partaking of eternal life with our Heavenly Father and with our families. I bear testimony of the truth of the gospel, that these things that we've talked about here are true, and uh, that the tree of life represents Jesus Christ and, and his atonement. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.